Welcome to the Erickson Covenant Church Podcast. We're happy that you would join us for today's teaching. As a church, we're passionate about helping people find and follow Jesus, no matter who they are or where they are from. If you have any questions about Jesus, the church, or the teaching you're hearing today, please don't hesitate to contact us online at ericksoncovenant.ca. And now, let's listen to this week's teaching. Well, good morning. This is a good morning. Let's start by reading. I'm going to start by reading the passage on the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And this is in Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 46. So after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Beth- Bethany, at the hill called the Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just, as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, the owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day What would bring you peace? But now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Okay, now I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to imagine you were there on that day when all that was going on. Imagine you were one of the disciples on that day. You'd come up from Jerusalem to meet Jesus because you knew he was coming and something special was going to happen. And uh, then Jesus sat on the donkey and people started cutting palm branches to make a kind of green carpet for Jesus. There was much excitement. Some instead even laid their cloaks on the cobbled road and someone started a chant. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. 
peace in heaven and glory in the highest. It catches on. Everyone knows those scriptures and soon you're walking along, waving a branch, singing along with all the others, praising God. And there, right at the front, is the incredible Jesus. King Jesus. You've seen Jesus do some amazing miracles. Nearly everyone around you has seen him do one or another. He's even raised people from the dead just by giving the command. No strange magic incantations, no lengthy fasts, just simple authority. You have no doubt he is the Messiah, the King, come to take David's throne. There has never been such an exciting time in the whole of history, and you are here to see it. So you join in the chorus with all your heart, calling out till you are hoarse. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay, you can open your eyes if you have them closed. I hope you felt something of the atmosphere and the excitement of that day. You see, people were beginning to get some understanding of who Jesus was. Rather incomplete, but they understood enough to get very excited. How about you? Do you get excited about Jesus so that you praise him with all your hearts? Perhaps your understanding of Jesus hasn't yet clicked enough that you could to be excited. Or perhaps the excitement is something that doesn't happen these days, that has somehow faded away. You know, I remember the thrill when I first understood clearly who Jesus was in my heart as well as my head. And uh, enough to commit myself to him as my master. And it was a very special time. My heart was easily raised in worship. I remember the first Sunday after I told Jesus he was my Lord. And I went with some of my new Christian acquaintances to a nearby church. And, uh, you know, in the worship songs on that day, my heart was just lifted up in a way that I don't think it's ever happened since. Very special time. And uh, or rarely, maybe, if it has happened. So, but Easter is coming up, right, in a week. And Easter for us is a very special time. For us who believe. When we commemorate in a special way the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it should be a time of worship. But worship doesn't happen automatically. It's fundamentally a matter of the heart. So, how can we let our hearts worship? You know, because of the extraordinary miracles, the crowd was already wondering if Jesus was the the prophesied king. And now with the donkey, they were sure. Jesus is entering Jerusalem as someone that everyone recognized from an old prophecy that uh, Zechariah had made about uh, 550 years previously. It's this. Rejoice greatly. O daughter of Zion, that's Jerusalem. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle 
and riding on a donkey and a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the prophecy that they were bound to remember says that he's righteous. So he's not your average ruler or king, right? As we keep being reminded in the news. And it also says that he brings salvation. You know, does this mean saving them from oppression by the Romans who had conquered their land? Uh, Many in the crowd may have thought that that's what he was going to do. But instead, they found themselves in the presence of someone who is gentle, as the prophecy says. Not a warrior at the front of an army. If it had been a warrior, no doubt the Roman garrison would have been mobilized and he would have been killed or taken into custody and his disciples would have been scattered. But a man riding on a donkey with supporters waving not swords but branches? He didn't enter Jerusalem as a conquering king coming to displace the Romans and their administration under Herod. He didn't head for Herod's palace which was the place of the current ruler, but for the temple, which was the spiritual center of Jerusalem, the spiritual center for the Jews, the spiritual center of the land. Now, up to this point, Jesus had been keeping a fairly low profile. Whenever his disciples got a bit too excited, he calmed them down a bit. And... um, He'd been keeping away from the limelight, trying not to stir things up too much politically. But things are changing and Jesus is beginning to reveal himself as the Messiah. This is what uh, some other prophecies, other than the one we looked at, call him the Messiah, and it means simply the anointed one. So Jesus met some of the expectations of the Jews for the Messiah, but not all of them. So that is the Jesus the crowds were excited about. So now, how can we let our hearts worship the way they did when they saw Jesus on that day? Well, group enthusiasm is catching, right? Uh, That happens at big sports events, tremendous enthusiasm builds, and that was happening on the way to Jerusalem here. You know, it's possible for us to worship at home. And I I hope you do. I hope each of you takes time for private worship. Just you and God on a regular basis. But if our spirits are a bit down, uh, then that's a bit of a challenge. But in a group, you know, we can get carried along. Our hearts can get lifted up and the enthusiasm can catch us. You know, if only one person had been with Jesus Jesus as he made his way down into Jerusalem, then uh, I don't think they would have been celebrating for very long. He would have given up fairly quickly. Even the twelve apostles would have had a hard time keeping it up all the way down and then up again into Jerusalem. No, uh, but, you know, I'm preaching to the converted because you're all here. (laughs) You've all come. So I guess you understand in a little way that uh, groups help us to worship. And it does. And I hope that most of you can be out next Sunday when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus.
on Easter Sunday and on Friday too, when we consider again his death. I just want us to look at a passage in Ephesians about communal worship, just to give us some ideas. Ephesians 5, 18. uh, Paul there said, Be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now speak to one another, it says, whilst you're singing. So enter into the singing here at Erickson Covenant Church. And I guess that's what I experienced just now. Most of you were entering in. We need to do that. We need to do that. It's a way of talking to one another with the truths of Scripture, the truths of our faith. And to lift one another up, if you're up, perhaps others aren't. And as they hear your voice, it will help to bring them along. I really appreciate the effort that our musicians put into choosing the songs. That was a great choice this morning uh, to help us worship. It's a special ministry. So join with others regularly uh, to help us develop in our worship. Then uh, another thing that can help us is don't hold back, but be generous in your worship. You know, Matthew and Mark both tell us that people spread palm branches on the road as uh, Jesus went along and they waved these branches. Whereas Luke here in the passage that I read earlier, they don't mention the palm branches. Instead, it says that others, they were spreading their cloaks on the ground in front of Jesus giving him a kind of red carpet treatment, right, as he went into Jerusalem. Now think about that. What's going to happen to your coat if you were to lie it down on the the road out here on the driveway into the church? (laughs) And, uh, And then you get a donkey or two come along and tread on it. I don't know if, does Ericsson have donkeys? I haven't seen any here. But a horse would do. Think what would happen to that if a horse was treading on it. Well, it's, uh, it's get dirty at the least, but it'll probably get damaged too. And if they then picked it up after Jesus come by and took it back to the front again, which I'm sure some of them did, it's going to be in pretty bad shape by the time they're finished. The crowd didn't care. They were welcoming their king. The miracle worker. And if they lost their coat, it was in a worthy cause. So sacrificing our possessions is often a powerful way to worship. It's not a waste to spend money to show our adoration of Jesus. It's appropriate. Remember the woman? The story of the woman who poured a jar of perfume onto Jesus. Very expensive And uh, the disciples, at least some of them, were horrified. They probably all were. What a waste. What you could do with all that money. And uh, Jesus, he said it was appropriate. He told them off for their approach. So, uh, 
there wouldn't be much point in all of us laying our coats out here at the front or out in the driveway into the church. But what's the equivalent for you? And that only you know. But maybe that's something you should think about. And one obvious way is in our offerings, and that can just be a habit. Or it can even just be a kind of obligation where it's something, well, you remember the church or you you hear regularly, you need to help the upkeep, you'll do your part. So you bring it every week, it's a kind of obligation. But it can be sacrificial, and then it becomes a part of our worship. It's like putting your best coat on the road for Jesus' donkey to tread on. Responding generously to any need on behalf of Jesus can be a powerful act of worship. Practicing hospitality, putting yourselves out to bless others can be a means of worship. I don't know what it is for you, but, you know, give your hearts a chance to overflow in the worship of sacrifice. So another port, important thing as we think about worshipping is don't lose your wonder. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd didn't worship. Instead, they rebuked Jesus because he let the rest of the crowd greet him as the Messiah. Now, notice the Pharisees were in the crowd. I find this interesting. So they joined the party. And uh, so they weren't people watching disapprovingly from a distance. They'd actually come along to join the celebration. So, so what was going on here? Well, you know, perhaps they thought Jesus was a famous, was a rabbi, was a real teacher. They really appreciated what he was teaching. They recognized him as a godly man, as a great teacher. But they were very aware of the sin of pretending to be the Messiah. There had been lots of imposters through the years. So much so they couldn't recognize the Messiah when he actually showed up. Their eyes were closed to the truth. They were not flexible enough in the thinking. Because he wasn't quite conventional the way their theology told them he should be. Well, the common Jews, they, well, they saw the general picture. They were convinced by the miracles and the teaching. For them, it was much simpler. You know, it's very easy to lose our appreciation of who Jesus is. Isn't that true? You know, his greatness, his power, just through familiarity. It's like in marriage, you know, or the first few months. It's kind of no problem. (laughs) this feeling is fresh and obvious the person's wonderful you know you really enjoy them but then uh, after a couple of years you have to think about it for a little bit and after 10 years you're working at it yeah or maybe by that time you've uh, got in the habit of working at it that's the difference between some marriages and others so we need to look for fresh ways of appreciating Jesus. Um, just whatever, some fresh way. 
perhaps read the Bible in a different way than the way you have been doing. Um, or reading and looking for something like, something particularly like the deity of Jesus. There was a time about five years ago when I was reading the, the, uh, the time when Jesus went up on a mountain with his disciples and he was changed in front of them. We call it the transfiguration. And uh, he just had his three closest disciples with him there. And uh, it struck me powerfully what God said to those three disciples. Out to the clouds, the voice came and said to them, listen to Jesus. And uh, to, that was the message that God wanted those three to truly understand. Listen to Jesus. And uh, after sort of thinking about that, I, I just spent the next two years reading only in the Gospels. I just went through the Gospels and the Gospels. Just because I was afraid I was forgetting to listen to our Lord. And I wanted to hear afresh what he was saying. And I find it is fresh. Every time I read through the Gospels, what Jesus said is fresh. Maybe not everything, but some things. I think, wow, Lord, that's, that's it. So, you know, what else can you do? I don't know. For me, sometimes just the creation really gets me sometimes. I, I spent years in biochemistry research, and I find it just amazing. The creation in that tiny scale, molecular scale, it just boggles my mind how intricately it works. I love just looking at the bigger creation too. And uh, the awe of the mountains strikes an awe of God in me too. I don't know whether that's true for you. Sometimes, you know, praying with someone else can open your eyes up to Jesus to see him in a new way. Sometimes sharing answers to prayer with one another just helps you see the greatness of God again. The way the miracles that sparked the hearts of these people in that procession. Anyway, whatever it is, keep giving your hearts new reasons to worship. And then another thing that maybe we should look out for is not to let our hearts or not to let prayer be squeezed out by business or busyness. You know, once in Jerusalem, Jesus headed to the temple. And uh, there was a big problem there. Because in order to meet the needs of the people who were coming to Jerusalem to offer sacrifices, the lambs and birds, uh, a kind of commercial area had grown up where they could buy the birds for sacrifice and the other animals for sacrifice There was a place there where they could change their money in order to pay the tax that they paid as they came. And uh, this had kind of encroached into the temple area. It was convenient. It was beneficial for everyone coming in one way or another. And, uh, but the result was a bizarre kind of grown up there. Busy, dirty, smelly with the thieves hanging around. So commercial interests do tend to encroach right wherever people are hanging around. That's what happened there. But Jesus had a real problem with this. And when he entered the temple, we read, Jesus entered the temple area 
He began driving out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, my house will be a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of robbers. So what for you crowds out prayer and worship? I'm not talking about times your job requires you to work on a Sunday or where you're aware somewhere traveling. And nor am I talking about the occasional unusual events. Vacations and so on get in the way. But many times there is a choice. And uh, for our own personal times of devotion, there's nearly always a choice. But something often crowds them out, doesn't it? For me, a problem is my computer or my phone or whatever, those kind of things. So if I pick one up in the morning, which is when I like to have a devotional time, trouble. Because I go from one thing to another. And uh, that may not be your issue. But we each have things that get in the way. That just drive out devotions. And depending when you have it, That depends what kind of thing comes in and crowds them out. But, you know, make sure that you have a way of stopping those things crowding in. Find a way around it. Just arrange things a little differently. Just so that it doesn't happen. And it can be done. Make sure you're giving your heart the space that your hearts need to worship. You can't worship on the run, at least not for very long. It just doesn't happen. So now I want to go back to what Jesus said to the Pharisees, as I think there's a bit of a Pharisee in all of us. He said, he said, Jesus said to the Pharisees, if they, my disciples, were to keep silent the stones would cry out. Now, what was that all about? Was Jesus saying that this event was such a pivotal moment in history of the world and of creation that uh, if the disciples really were unable to speak, inanimate objects would speak? Uh, It was a pivotal moment. Maybe they would have done. Maybe that's what Jesus meant, but I don't think so. I think what Jesus was doing was giving a gentle rebuke to the Pharisees. I think he meant something like, you know, if even stones would cry out today, what's the problem with you? Why are you not joining in the worship? Are your hearts harder than stone? You're unable to respond to the miracles. You're unable to respond to the presence of the actual Son of God? Strange, eh? The most religious group in the city was unable to recognize the signs in general. The answer to prophecy. Because their perceptions of God, their expectations of what it would look like had become too narrow. They'd become too set in stone. This is the way it should be done. This is the best meaning of this passage, it's the way we've worked out over the years, this is it let's stick to it, severe hard as rock fixed in stone unresponsive and not just the Pharisees reacted in that way Uh, 
the whole establishment, the political, religious establishment in Jerusalem, right? Because Jesus, as they were about to descend down, he looked at Jerusalem and uh, he said, oh, he wept over them. He said, if only you'd recognized who was here, things would have been different. But the city as a whole, the leaders, they didn't. They rejected him too. It wasn't just a few Pharisees. So, you know, next weekend is Easter. So do you think your heart is going to be free to worship then? Uh, or are you just really just looking forward to a, a nice long weekend, a good time with family? Uh, there's nothing wrong with those things. Uh, but it should also be a time when our hearts when our hearts get caught up in a special time of worship. So I don't know your particular issue that might get in the way of worship. Uh, But I encourage you to proceed carefully towards next weekend. Thoughtfully towards next weekend. Perhaps you need a fresh glimpse of who Jesus is in some way. Perhaps you need to change your plans somewhat. So that somehow you join with some other disciples of Jesus to celebrate. Perhaps you need to think about enhancing your worship by some act of generosity to God or for him. Or perhaps you need to address the question of what might actually restore your sense of wonder and awe in the presence of God. I don't know what you need right now. I know what I need. But if something has tweaked your heart in a little way uh, this morning in a way that will enhance your worship and so enhance our worship next weekend, then I'll be very happy. Let's pray, shall we? Lord God, you know What's going on in my heart? You know what's going on in everyone's heart here. You know the way we made. You know the way we worship. You know the way our hearts often, they just tend to get cool over the years, over time. We don't want them to be cool. We want them to be warm and soft. We want them to be responsive. We want to see you in the little things you do and the big things you do want to respond to what you've said. We want to be able to see you in such a way that we worship you and praise you the way you should. So help us, Lord, to do that. Help us to take away the brittle layers. Help us to somehow find a soft heart and worship you with every bit of it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope today's teaching provided you with life-changing truth and valuable insight. We hope you've learned of some practical steps forward in your spiritual journey. Whether you're finding Jesus for the first time, or you have been following him for years. If you have been listening for a while, perhaps you're wondering how you can support the church financially. To find out, please go to ericksoncovenant.ca and click on the Donate tab. Thank you for being part of this journey with us. 
Every day, we are seeking to help people to find and follow Jesus.